Theory Podcast. Boom. What's up, people? Welcome to Creative Theory Podcast, the show that brings you conversations with visual artists about how they got to where they got, what their day-to-day is like, what their struggles are, thoughts on the art world, and a lot, a lot more. Um, after a, a brief hiatus, uh, glad to be back. Pandemic is still ongoing, uh, but very lucky to have on the other side of this uh, Zoom meeting. Uh, very, very special guest and uh, heavy hitter. So this is going to be a really good one for sure. Um, if you're ready for this description, let's go. He's a visual development consultant, art director, designer, illustrator, and costume designer. Who's currently working at Bardell Entertainment in Vancouver, BC. He has also art directed shows such as Selectera, Monster High, Blaze and the Monster Machines. And he's created designs for live action shows like Batwoman, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, arrow and a lot more damn andy poon welcome to the show <laughs> hello 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 i should shorten it <laughs> man there's you so- should i just tell people i draw that's all i tell people oh, but clearly it's so much more did i do you want to add um, anything to, to that list anything else we no, uh, i'm currently doing stuff for sonic the hedgehog 2 damn uh are we talking like live movie? action Wow. Not the wild brain one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's, I heard there's also something like that. I hope it's uh, official. Man, amazing. It, it is. No, it is official. Yeah. We're not leaking anything. We're good. <laughs> awesome. Wow. Uh, so that's that's a lot of. Pro- also, actually, now that we're speaking, I just saw your Instagram. Congratulations on the Emmy as well for Dragon Prince. Yeah, I mean, to the whole team. I am, yeah, like I. It's uh. It's, I mean, usually, as you know, like in Vancouver. A lot of the projects that come through are more like a family type kids type project. So it's mm-hmm. nice once in a while we get a uh, little bit more adult fantasy project, um, especially by creators who did uh, Airbender. So, hundred percent. Why do you think? Uh, I mean, while we're in this topic, why do you think there's not as much adult animation? I'm actually noticing that recently preschool is like the thing everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I mean preschool on the from the business side, like that's the moneymaker for uh, the studios mm-hmm. um, and definitely it's a wider audience and um, and believe it or not I think outside of our circle like artist circle mm-hmm. like anime and like more adult theme uh, material is still in some way it's more niche mm-hmm. even though it's so popular now but in comparison um, and I think that um, especially in Vancouver I think it's always been known more for the um the execution part uh Mm. in the past and i think a lot of that's still carrying over um but definitely like you know we have been for the last like five years to the decade like getting more and more um soup to nuts like creative projects that is built from grounds up here um in all the different studios Mm. um but i think like just because of the history and like the relationship already been established with the studio that like there's a we do well in a lot of the family entertainment the younger mm-hmm. side of projects so i think that's why there's still most of those still flows to vancouver and where would you say then uh from your perspective more of the adult adult animation gets done like it, do you see a hub somewhere for that specifically um yeah i mean so a lot of the more adult ones are done in 2d mm-hmm um, primarily, and and those are usually either outsourced to Korea to like Studio Mir, um, for like like Airbender, 
or the more comedy ones, I think I love to go to maybe like South South Asia or like India um, for the Tomb Boom type stuff. Um, uh, a huge part of that because like um, Vancouver doesn't actually have a lot of uh, 2D animators that does train like hand-drawn 2D animation. Mm-hmm. It's more mostly build based. So for any of the more adult like um, like Castlevania type situations, like those are like pretty much traditional animation just done on computer. And that's just because they're expensive, right? Like my my view on it yeah. is just yeah, yeah. And I mean, you've seen like we all seen those uh, documentaries and articles about like Japanese like two D animators. They they get paid very little. Um, mm-hmm. And that's funny. Like even like last night, I was uh, I don't know if you on the clubhouse craziness. Um, I've been it joining be more. But tell me, yeah, yeah. Actually, it's interesting to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So you're listening on there. Oh yeah, like I've, it's uh, it's only been like maybe five days, but. Uh, Definitely, I found a lot of uh, well. One thing, first thing, because of, there's no Comic Con, um, so that's like almost becomes like a Comic Con for me to catch up with my friends in the US. Oh, that's awesome. Because I mean, we're stuck in Canada, so I only get to see them like once a year <laughs> usually in San Diego. But um, yeah. but I was talking to uh, a director for um, DC animation movies, and I was telling him that like like even in Vancouver, like I definitely see like a difference of. Um, people in production like um their view on 3d projects and 2d projects very differently um i still think like 3d almost get treated a little bit more glamorously Mm. and 2d get i mean not that they mean to them but like i think generally they view it as like a a different tier of project um because like I've seen I've seen some like backgrounds get done in you know like for two D projects like Rick and Morty or other type of animated show, um, like one to two sometimes three backgrounds per day, but if you go tell one of our three D concept artists like hey you get like one day to paint a background, you know it will be totally. like whoa like what's yeah, going yeah. on right, so so the mentality is very interesting um, between two D and three D projects. Do you feel like because uh, I. The way I see it too is generally from what I've seen, like in my experience, is that the budgets for 3D are generally higher. So that's that, right. That two-tier system is it's it starts out from the money that is being budgeted or put into this projects. As in, you know, it's not even the artists or, or I don't know, studios get to decide, but it's like whoever gets to pay for these things has a bar, and that right. bar is kind of, you know, it's sitting at a certain degree. And I'm sure someone's trying to make money, you know, in the end, it's a endeavor where someone's putting money in to make money right. back. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting. Like why, 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 why is the, why is that such a difference? Sure. I know that like 3D, there's a lot of licensing fees. Mm. Maybe it will go away when we all switch to Blender or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I think generally 3D artists <clears throat> salary is higher. Yeah. Um, but, but then, then uh, if you compare it to artistry of it, the 2D people should get paid higher. Totally. Like, like oh, yeah, definitely, at least they need to be at least equal, right? So, yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, there's, uh, there's, there's, yeah, you're right. I think uh, it's just such different skills, especially, you know, like when you're talking about a 3D pipeline, the, the, the variety of skill sets there. But you're right. I, I, I don't think 2D should be at all below. And then the craftsmanship there is pretty incredible. And yet, and then I wonder then in that case, and I think you probably have a good insight into this. In that case, do you think 3D shows sell toys better or something like that? Maybe that's where it goes to. Um, it, 3D shows usually has been selling toys better, but 
nowadays the streaming service they're not even really about selling toys anymore true yeah um like sure like you see like shows like voltron might have some toy line but compared to like back in the days yeah 3d were made to sell toys but nowadays it's actually um in some way it's good for like people like us like okay we're not just making a toy commercial anymore right mm. um well, at least not all the time um that's not the main mandate but um no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, look at the Batman animated series. They sell a, a ton of toys. Totally. So it's, I think it's just still some old mentality that like, they just view 2D as a cheaper art form, mm. uh, which is true back in the days. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and anime, they, the way anime looks like anime initially were because they were trying to cut corners. Totally. Yeah, and then yeah. it just evolved into a style. <laughs> like, yeah. right, you know? Yeah, I wonder where, where that because there's also on top of everything else, there's also it's like a almost like a stigma. I don't know if it's because 2D is supposed to be old school, and so you know people invest into 3D more, thinking it's a new flasher thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if you get the, the same thing. Is sometimes uh, if a you know a person who's not an artist, they would see an artwork, and if they think that it looks realistic in their mind, it's better. Right, yeah, the, the 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 rendering part, right? Like, exactly. Like how it's like um um, well, go, going back a little bit about the two D uh, mentality, I think uh, in some way that the studio think two D is cheaper, as they are still holding on to like back in the day, they have to make it super cheap, hmm. and and also I think there's a mentality of. The, what the studio thinks and what I think is partially also true is generally people that even today go into 2D animation a lot of it has to do with the passion for it. Totally. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes that almost get taken advantage of like, you know <laughs> like, and, and, and it's crazy enough that like if I seen like one of my good friends, like, you know, like they in 2D show and you know I would be like, hey, you really talented like you're about to have family if you thought about switching in 3D shows because I know how it is, right? And and the cost and salary. Um, so we'd have done the same thing, <laughs> right? Like you yeah. know, like and and it's just the truth, and it's not like we're spilling any secrets. It's like a, it's an industry known thing that there's a there's a gap, you know. Yeah, and unfortunately, so then you know, like what it comes down to is, it sucks that like you have to tell someone to switch to something else because you know the cap salary cap is there and i don't know what we you know you uh, you especially you know I, I i'm lucky enough to get to art directing but your vision at your studio you're are you an art director or is there a different uh, what so doing? pretty much i am this essentially i'm the studio art director you're like um, studio chief but, creative almost yeah yeah but, but i mean in the past like i yeah like i i used to just direct art direct the actual production part like mm-hmm. like i'm usually attached to the project for like two three years um, but as my career goes uh, further, I I just found that my the need for me uh, make more sense to be upfront, mm-hmm. to establish, and then pass it on. So then, knowing that, do you think you'll ever have not control, but at least some sort of uh, influence on salaries, influence on the fact you know that maybe? Do you feel like you have any way of adjusting that? Because you know, if you if we both disagree with the fact that two D should be treated. Uh, differently like is there anything we can do or you can do well um so here's the one thing um uh 
like for a lot of the 2D projects that comes to like Vancouver, um, the design were usually done in LA. Mm-hmm. And um, most, I think, I think most of the crew that get hired in Vancouver are like the background painters that, for, for shots. And so not even the master. I love the masters were done in uh, LA, I think. And um, so, and so therefore, like, I'm usually not too involved with 2D projects. Like I may sit in the meeting, but I don't usually have to do much unless they request like, oh, hey, can you help us to refresh a look? Then I'll, I'll be involved. Um, but for, for like 3D artists, yeah, I usually like, you know, um, <laughs> from studio to studio, there's a different system of evaluating like who's a senior, who's a junior. Um, sometimes the salary, it's up based on desperation <laughs> of, <laughs> of the demand, right? Um, but I, I try to like, you know, at least make sure it's fair. I mean, I'm not deciding, but at least I'm there to give a give a educated opinion about. Hey, I think this artist is worth like this range because, you know. And then if I see like an artist that got hired two different times, and like I was saying, like sometimes you get pay more because of the demanded time. So mm-hmm. if I see things like that, I'll be like, hey, maybe we need to even it out, right? Like we want to yeah. be like fair, right? So. I think that's why it's so interesting to be in our industry and the fact that like the salaries are fluid, the work is fluid. It seems like, uh, I, I, I don't know about you, when going into this industry, I never realized that there would be such a variety of like salaries and like you said, even positions get judged differently, projects come and go. There, there's so much fluidity within this industry. And Yeah, I mean, like, just the fact that, like, you know, both you and I right now uh, work in a studio that um, primarily does uh, uh, episodic animation. Mm -hmm. But if we were doing the same thing at, let's say, somewhere like Cinecite or any feature film, like, there's an instant jump of uh, salary, even doing the same task, and sometimes doing less task. (laughs) Um, And that's just the nature um, that uh, apply across the board, like, down to, like, feature film commercials. Yeah. Man, Andy, there's going to be so much to talk with you about. I made a oh, list of things. Uh, I got a giant <laughs> list. And I and especially for, I don't know, for people listening and I, the beginning that we kind of intro made about you, it's you've, uh, the fact that you've touched different industries, you've done 3D, 2D, live action. It's like you've kind of somehow managed to do it all and you still are doing it. And I think the amount of topics we can jump into. And it's very interesting to talk to you because, uh, and I'll, kind of ask about it later but it's curious how you really have your kind of finger on the pulse of the animation industry and i'm guessing live action as well somehow you manage to do it all and you have a family it's it really doesn't make sense how you do it all and uh, it's a it's called big... addiction to art, <laughs> art addiction true. is it addiction to art or addiction to work to uh oh that's a very <laughs> it, it's it's art but then just happens that my work is also art. So therefore I'm also addicted to work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess that makes sense. So actually, so I wanted to chat about this because I, so I think the first time I saw you, I don't think I met you then, but I started at Norcor around the time you were on Slug Terra because, right. and the reason, the reason I remember that I was working, I was animating then, but I remember like looking behind people's like, uh, like looking at people's computers or screens and just seeing like the, the cool art that was coming through for that show. And I think so, and just like, it was pretty exciting. Like what the team was putting together, the fact that Creature Box was involved and those were mm-hmm. really fun designs that are coming through. So I think that's where kind of, I kind of, 
was was within your what's what's it called within the atmosphere or something like that. Anyways, I remember right uh, meeting you then, and I think it was kind of years later that I got to chat with you. But I guess I, I want I to ask- talk to you about it though, didn't I? About Slackter. I think I talked to you because I think I at that point I seen that I don't know it was an Instagram age because we're so old now. Um, <laughs> but I remember I think I saw you something about that you maybe one of your mirror or something. I'm mm. like, hey, I think I might have talked to you, or maybe that's after Nerdcore that like, hey, you should do designs because I remember I was bugging you about it at one point. You did. I remember because I think I remember that conversation because uh, when I was in Nerdcore, I, I was animating, so I was trying to get into design. So I, probably at that point it was too early because I think I was working on portfolio, but. I'm, uh, I remember feeling, feeling pretty encouraged by you. That was very nice. Yeah, but- I remember I was bugging you about it. <laughs> and well, I selfish motive. It. No, no, so, well, maybe, but uh, also- At, at that point. <laughs> it, it benefits me too, but it somehow I'm able, like, I was able to get around to it. Anyways, but kind of, uh, I, I wanted to ask you kind of talking about Slectera, uh, uh, how far were you into your career at that point? Because like, that's when I met you, I, but I don't know how many projects you had in the past. Like maybe right. do a little, kind of a brief history of your career. A recap, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, interestingly, I started in the field of live action first. Mm. Um, I think I, I was, I started working when I was like maybe around 16. Um, just happened to, well, not luck, but um, so this is before internet age. And I used to just <laughs> carrying a sketchbook around with me like everywhere. And then just by chance, I was helping, I was watching my, one of my two brothers, um, they were, got cast to be in a, in a, in a short film, I think, and they need chaperones. So I was waiting and the costume designers saw me sketching and be like, hey, what are you doing? So I showed them my sketch of like, then they gave me a business card and hey, do you want to start working in the industry? I'm like, sure <laughs> um so then i started working for them and i still to this day i do stuff for them and sometimes i sign work to them wow that's um, how it started that's how i started that's i was amazing. i was a walking instagram before instagram happens <laughs> um and then after that um uh i used to be also a, a background performer like an extra in uh, movies or tv shows um they were filming x-men 2 in vancouver and uh i was casted for five days. And then I was drawing one of the uh, uh, X-Men from a magazine picture, right? Um, just sitting in the extra holding waiting. For some reason, one of the actor walked behind me. I think I was drawing Hugh Jackman at that point. And he was like, where's my portrait? I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'll, send, I'll do one tonight and I'll give it to you. So I did. And then for the rest of the four days, they didn't make me work. They let me sit with the crew, sit with the director and wow. let me meet the production designer. And uh, and and they were actually end up hiring me to do uh, caricatures at their rap party. <laughs> so I made amazing. some contact there, yeah. and then I was actually supposed to work on X Men Three, but then Brian Singer went and did Superman. Um, so that's I made some connections there, and then then I finished high school. I went to Vancouver Film School to study. Wow, that's 3D. all before high school. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to study three yeah. D animation. Um, and then uh, at that point, I because of someone I met on the, the X-Men 2 set, um, they hired me, uh, I got hired to work on iRobot mm -hmm. um, with the Australian costume designer. Um, and then after that, I was mostly uh, now focused more on the animation because I finishing film school. 
and uh, I was studying 3D modeling because I know um, it's kind of tough career to be, it's very competitive to be a designer. So I just want something that I could fall back on that I still enjoy, which is 3D modeling. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I graduated, I applied to studios and um, I think I literally, I was about to have an interview at mainframe for 3D position. Um, one of the, the, the 3D department head at film school started Nerdcore and they gave me a call and I, so two weeks, Two weeks of difference, I could have have a. I think I'll still find my way back, but I could have started very differently. Wow. Um, career-wise, yeah. um, th and that was for a show called Dragon Booster, which is a prop designer. And but after that, um, the, my boss uh, Ace, um, he was like, "Hey, I want to start this new show about these uh, medieval knights, um, you know, and on like motorcycle that can transform to an airplane." I'm like, "Awesome." <laughs> um, <laughs> So uh, throughout that process, I think I slowly learning more, but also I was always very opinionated. <laughs> um, probably at that point, quite annoying. I was like 24, um, mm -hmm. running around the studio, like saying crazy stuff. Um, <laughs> but I think he saw that like, I definitely have a, have a vision of sort. Mm -hmm. So he let me try designing the development for that show, which became Stormhawks. Mm -hmm. And that was my first art directing gig. So I was around probably 20, 26, 27, maybe hmm. 26, I think around. Mm -hmm. um, so Subterra would be my official. Oh, no, I then I went to do Monster High for uh, yeah. from, uh, the Mattel shows. So technically Subterra would be my third uh, IP that I art directed. Well, that's amazing. That's really cool that they put that trust in you. It seems like even just in kind of the this brief uh, um kind of explanation you you made it's like there's already a couple of pivotal points in your life right it's like that being 16 year old in a set where you know what a like i'm sure if that didn't happen you know someone didn't uh, see your drawing you probably would have ended up in you know probably doing design for live action anyways but it's interesting how these things kind of happen along the way I, i'm always uh kind of so uh curious kind of amazed by these events you know like you can really tell in your life there's a couple of events that adjust the course of your life drastically because everything else is like you know fluid or slight adjustments but those were big yeah well so i mean those things like i mean the first life-changing event would be me moving moving to canada i was born in hong kong how old were you i was 12 okay so if i wouldn't have moved here i was still i think i would still find my way to the art industry but the, the climate is so different mm -hmm. right so that I would say that's my first life-changing event in terms of my oh, career-wise, yeah. and then, and then in terms of the set, um, I always talk about those things with like young designer students because they always ask about the question of like art versus like marketing and social presence, right? Um, that was my social presence of getting likes back in the days. <laughs> I, I literally find, and that was st strategically like I find the most like like high traffic spot where a crew would walk by to sit <laughs> down and draw. Nice. So, yeah, <laughs> it's self-marketing in some way. Totally. And then when students ask you about it, about self-marketing, what do you usually say on that topic? Well, it's so, uh, it's so different now, right? Because like, you know, um, now your social online, social media online presence could have two paths. You could either be the artist that um, cater, uh, cater to your own dedicated group of fans and 
a lot of artists actually get support financially these days. Mm -hmm. Or you can keep it um, active enough, which is mostly what I do. Um, so you're still relevant, but that's not my main goal. But I do find clients um, that way as well. But I'm definitely mm -hmm. like not as driven in terms of self-expressions to get my own fan base. That's a, that's a really interesting way to put it. Because technically you have a fan base through the work that you do. But when you're saying self-expression, you're talking about like specifically personal artwork. That's right. Like people only come to me, my Instagram, because of things that I draw for myself, not mm. for anyone else. Yeah. Are, are, you, are you okay not doing personal work? Are you, do you get enough satisfaction through your work? Um, I think so. I think that's one of the reasons why, um, like you mentioned, like I kind of dip my toes in animation, also live action, because I actually do enjoy all those aspects. And I think that's why I still not willing to give those up or one of those up. Um, yeah. But um, I am okay in the sense that like, it's interesting because sometimes I tell student that um, I'm not necessarily an artist most of the time. I'm, I'm problem solving with art, if that make any sense. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I, I do really enjoy that. Like, to me, actually, a huge part of that is my self-expression because um, I'm given a problem and get to solve it my way. Um, so even though I may not be like, like, like you amazing, like artists, like doing your own thing, like your graffiti is amazing on all your, all your illustrations are amazing. Like a lot of times I don't view myself the same type of artist as you are. Cause I think, and also like now that I'm older, like the, the aspect, which aspect of uh, designing or or creating is different than when I was younger. Now I'm way more into like writing and visually creating, but creating from a broad perspective mm -hmm. rather than finishing a painting. I, I think I found different satisfaction as I get older. Totally. It's interesting that you say that because there's so many ways to express art though. Because like you still paint and draw for, mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, I feel you're, you're saying like you're keeping up your Instagram active and it's actually cool to see all the work you've been doing for the live action stuff, especially for me, because I've never experienced how that design translates because it's pretty amazing to me that, you know, someone will actually physically build those things. And that's a really interesting process. But what you're saying about the kind of the self-expression through art, it seems like um, just seeing other people, like even people who are like into going like full on 3D modeling or texturing things, mm -hmm. I feel like um yeah seeing like look at think, alan right alan like totally. is like he's like tearing like all those software apart and rebuilding his way kind of thing totally right? shout out to alan parker yeah that 3d wizard he's i know he's going deep deep into it it's really fun but so like uh, when you're saying kind of uh, thanks for the kind words by the way but I, I look at your work the same way i look at alan's work the same way i think it's really satisfying to see when someone really found what they like uh, mm -hmm. and like truly found it like and you can tell i think because of how how in-depth people get with it right um yeah so that's always uh, i guess really admirable really exciting to see um i guess while we're in the subject uh i almost got lost like while we're in the subject of the kind of designing for live action um <clears throat> and i guess you've been po posting quite a lot of work of your live action stuff recently um how do you find the time because you have a full-time job in pre animation <laughs> but how do you how do those projects come up i'm assuming they're freelance and how do you uh, balance yeah. them out um, yeah, so, um, I mean, it, it really all started like from 
10, 15 years ago, I worked on a show here called Smallville, which was like one of the first like superhero TV show, live action. And I can hear my kid. <laughs> um, there you go. Um, and uh, since that, and this was, remember, this was before the big Marvel movies that has happened. Mm -hmm. yeah. And since then, I was kind of deemed the local superhero guy. <laughs> so when nice. they came back for all the, now there's like, what, six, six different TV shows on the CW, like, oh, yeah. I got the call. And, you know, at the first show, we don't know how it's going to go, but then they keep booting new show, new shows. So I actually get to jump on all of them one by one. Um, so at times, yeah, it's, it's, it's demanding because like my only time that I get to work with it would be like after dinner, kids gone to bed. Mm -hmm. So yeah, usually I've been staying up till like three in the morning for a long time yeah. and, well. and I'm getting older. <laughs> so like I cannot stay up straight like three nights anymore right I, I need my sleep these days <laughs> it's okay see but that's how i exactly know that uh, these are pa your passion projects because you're you're staying up so late working on those things yeah. um but do these kind of projects come around often like is it every other month or how, like Ooh, how often? um yeah at the height of the time um uh i was on i think three three of those superhero TV shows. And at the height of that, like, um, yeah, almost every week there's like a new character, mm -hmm. um, you know? Um, and then, and it will slow down for a bit because they're still seasonal. So they would, I would know when they come in uh, based mm -hmm. on where the, where the season start filming. So they um, actually keep it really consistent for you. Like there's always steady work. Exactly. And, wow. and, uh, but, but it is still, it is still hard because between all those shows, the aesthetic changed a little bit differently. So mentally I have to switch gear a little bit as well. Well, and then um, between work too. Yeah. Like so, as well. Yeah. But I think part of that is also naturally, I think my brain is, is kind of scatterbrained and <laughs> it actually, it's actually a bit harder for me, especially when I was younger to stay focused on one project because mm -hmm. my brain is always like trying to seek very curious about other things. Mm -hmm. So like back in the days when I was only dedicated on one single project for like three years, especially stuff that with toy line that I would follow the toy line along as well. Um, yeah, I would always, I would, I would actually lose focus. And actually that's something I had to fix and learn. Like if you ask mm -hmm. like, some of the producers that I worked with before, like I, I would get bored. Where now you're actually using it to your advantage, where it's like yeah. You're... <laughs> so now, like I, I, th I think I found kind of the perfect position where, uh, but then I so then I'll get to experience a part that I have to give my baby away, um, <laughs> and 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 I'm like, oh, I may not do it like that, but okay. But but like right now, like you know, I just started a project in the higher, um, uh, oh, Lara, which who work with you. Yes. Hello, yeah, Lara. I'm very talented. <laughs> Shout artist, out to her and, as well. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and now I just get to sit in meetings and see her do awesome stuff once in a while I might chime in and then eventually I just fade away. So that's amazing. But it must feel good when you do have a really good artist, like her take going to the position, cause you can see them do it well and maybe different than you, but do it well. Right. Cause like every yeah. artist is going to bring their own flavor to it. Yeah. And that's a like, exciting part. And, right. Yeah. And that's something I have to learn, you know, as an art director, when I was younger, I was expecting to artists to draw every stroke exactly like me which is mm -hmm. impossible. I drive myself mm -hmm. nuts. I drive them nuts. Um, <laughs> so now I have figured out a little bit more that like, 
within the art direction boundary box. If you hit any of these points, it's okay. Yeah. But see, I think that's why 2D animation is even more challenging in that way, because in 3D, you know, you can design kind of differently as long as the final product looks like consistent. Right. Right. Why 2D animation is like, man, you really got to get people drawing. If a couple lines, especially like the more minimal it is, if you miss one line, that's, that's done. It's gone. And then, you know, going back to kind of where we started with this, like, that's a lot of craftsmanship to really be able to blend in and paint, draw like someone. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and actually, yesterday's conversation um, was actually primarily started as a, the storyboard department, mm-hmm. because in two D, the storyboard department essentially is the blueprint for the anim- final animation. Mm-hmm. While in three D, often you you experience before that, like, oh, we're gonna change that shot later in three D. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, we 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 dictated one way, and then they would switch it, and like, okay, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's why there's, uh, you know, although like TV shows now do lay out uh, stage as well, but it's almost like, I don't know if there's value or opportunity to jump to layout sooner, right? Like so that you don't have to like mm-hmm. scratch those shots. But yeah, it's interesting how the same the same job, but different application almost. Uh, totally. Do, yeah. Um, what you're saying about, so I think that you have really interesting uh, insight here because you're art directing and you have been art directing for a while while at the same time you're being art directed by the clients that hire you to do costumes. Right. How is that? Uh, how, tell me about that. That's really interesting. Um, it's interesting. It, it, I never even thought about it. Does because, it keep you um, humble? Does it give you perspective on what you do during your full time? It does in the sense that... Um, so so the first thing between... Uh, well, just because I cross the two mediums, I definitely yeah. get to, um, I, I, uh, I blend the two knowledge from the two medium a lot. So mm. I learn a lot of things about how a caution actually functions or convey or help express a character. I apply that back to animation. Mm-hmm. Because I do animation, I think a little bit more freely than people that only do live action. So I influence each other a lot. So I think... I always sit in a weird, interesting spot that I'm like uh, in some weird nexus point that I understand both. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I get the superhero costume, how to translate them faithfully, but realistically. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the part of the art direction, yeah, it never bothered me because like, and, and realistically, you know, even I'm the art director for, let's say, um, Slav Terra. There's still creative producers or there's still network. Like it's never really, you know, true to the point that I'm 100 percent the 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 vision like whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, still, sense, get right? still get notes. Still get notes. I'm I'm always the extension of the client, right? Like mm-hmm. and and the ideal goal is the client trusts me that I can make the decision that they believe in. Yeah. Did you? Uh, how early into your career did you learn that? Um, I think in some way pretty early because you know Ace Ace the uh, the boss at Nerdcore, um, he's a he's a creative guy, and so you know throughout that whole process, like he he's 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 very present with in terms of the creative vision. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, I mean I think it started at that point. I already, I already. Um, familiar with the process that like, you know, I'm always going to be working with a producer very closely, especially mm-hmm. IP projects. Um, it's actually trickier on um, projects like uh, if like a Mattel project or things that have a toy um, property attached to it, 
those are the trickier one that like I think I'm getting very good at now. But in the beginning, like, well, why would you do it like that? Just because a toy is like that doesn't mean the show has to be like this. Yeah. But based on what client you deal with, like you get a a, a variety of a freedom that you you get right. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I but because also I'm a toy guy, so like a lot of times. And this is the art director part that I don't think everybody <laughs> enjoys because, like, I I can essentially say the same thing to them, rejecting their ideas, but as long as I talk in the language, mm -hmm. um, it makes that conversation go smoother, and it will be a make or break in terms of uh, uh, a design decision on a character that is a toy. Mm -hmm. And so then there's basically, you're, I mean, you're, you're smiling while you're saying it, but basically as a communication skill that you've developed over time to be able to speak with clients oh, and, totally. you know, stop them from either making potentially bad decisions or just like, you know, you, so you found ways and, yeah. and then, so what about I th that? I think, I think all directors have their little trick in their, you have to have off, it, yeah. Because right? yeah. that's, uh, that's, that's our job, right? And, 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 you know, um, it, I know like the clients always write kind of things, kind of BS, but like in a lot of ways, you know, they're paying your bills, right? So we, we do have to find ways to work around, you know, and, and, and also it is actually our responsibility. Well, at least that's how I see an art director is to mm -hmm. tell them if something is wrong or not going right. Yeah, 100%. It might be a difficult conversation, but like mm -hmm. um, at, at least I would flag it. Yeah. And after that, if they still want to make that decision, okay. But I would mm -hmm. never not flag it. Yeah, no, and uh, you're talking about toy. I'm dealing with toy in my recent project, so I've uh, got a taste of all all that. Uh, oh yes, those make there, fun there's, conversations. There's fun in, there's, there's some fun in that aspect. I, I, I like it. But. Oh, totally. No, I I'm very lucky to have this job and all that. I mean, some days are tricky, but I I think similar to you, what you're talking about, problem solving. Especially, I think that's the reason why I like 3D. There's a lot of problem solving and planning, and I. Uh, as time goes on, I realize I specifically like that aspect. I like being able to, or mm, still a lot to learn, but like being able to think in the future and try to find ways like, hey, if we're going to make this decision now, how's it going to translate across every department? And I, am I going to make everyone's life harder or easier? I like, right. I, I really enjoy that aspect. Um, yeah. The reason I, I asked you about uh, how early you learned that lesson about kind of client, you know, you're creating client's idea or someone else's idea, not yours, is because. I think it's very common for artists to think, you know, like my idea is the best one or for artists to right. think like once you get to that place, you know, now everyone's going to listen to me. So it's it's cool that, I mean, it's no surprise you must have been, well, you are and must have been successful pretty early on as an art director because you're able to have that mindset that in the end, right, like you're creating a product and someone is, like you said, paying for it, but also it's someone's vision you're trying to bring together plus your expertise on top of that. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things that like sometimes when I if I don't talk to a student at the school or a young artist for advice, like um because uh I think some artists that um wants to be concept artists, um, when sometimes they misunderstood that um they actually want to be an illustrator. And the main difference is when you're in, when you're an illustrator, um your final painting is actually the product they're selling. But my job, like, even though I know now where it's a lot more glamorized and you know, look at the Marvel art books, it's all pretty images, but yeah. that's only really a fraction of it. They're not showing you the not pretty pictures, right? Yeah, totally. 
And like what I do is only just to help the next department to do their job so that we can see something on on screen at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever I draw is actually not the end product. And I think that's a huge difference that like uh, you get praise at different stage almost. Mm-hmm. And I think some, some artists, uh, when they're not too familiar with what actually it's happening in those aspects of the industry, like they sometimes get disappointed because they thought concept art just mean you get to be in the Marvel art book. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or like I would say like they should lean more like on the magic gathering card side of, of career. Totally. I guess maybe there's not enough information really about what the day-to-day of people is like, right? And what does a job entail? I hope not well, actually p- part of the reason why I started the podcast was even for that. I think there's, you know, our industry is getting so uh, specialized and so segmented that there's so many jobs that are like, you know, like grooming artists, like yeah. what, <laughs> what that? does that mean you if you do it? And that's a job, right? So someone yeah. is like just the grooming fur and yeah. <laughs> man, like just think about how many uh, types of careers within our industry that so many people don't even know about. And maybe even you and I don't have fullest idea, but there is so much to it. I think like technical rigging artists, like that's a complicated, interesting, unique job that also yeah. pays well. I knew, I knew a guy who spent, I think, nine months to work on Bumblebee's rig just so he can transform properly in a few shots. Yeah. It's incredible, man. It's cool. <laughs> like it's crazy, right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. But uh, the interesting part, like going a little bit back to your previous one, was like because you were asking me, like, how do I find um, that I was an art director, but I was still receiving art direction. Um, mm-hmm. In some way, I actually missed out a lot on um, almost like growing up as an artist in the sense that working is the, the journey of being a designer growing up. Because mm-hmm. I became an art director fairly early on, so I in my career I was growing up more as an art director. So I actually probably missed out a lot of opportunity to grow up as a designer or, mm. or like a an an artist from other aspects. Yeah, and I, I can relate to that now. I mean, I, I guess I've been on my last project for over two years now, but that's for me. It was a something that took me a while to decide to even take the art direction job because I knew that. Well, one, I would be doing less art, but once I started working, I realized like nobody really critiques you on your skills, like you're saying mm-hmm. as a designer, right? Because, and and so then it's like, you have to find ways of whether you talk to your friends or coworkers and also you have to ask them like, critique me like you'd critique someone else and yeah. just. But, but that's why I mentioned it. Cause maybe that's why I actually still like doing all this freelance and getting mm, feedback yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually finding ways to grow outside of my work, even though I'm doing totally. my work. Man, that's like, that's huge. Did you, so then it was subconscious. You didn't realize it, did you? I didn't realize it. I think that's something that's more, more recent that I think I started to come to conclusion. Um, I, I think I always knew in the terms of like, when we're at work, even though we're doing creative stuff day to day, it is very routine and it becomes a job. Yep. even though we're enjoying fully. And and I actually say like at studio, you will learn stuff. Let's say you like, I, I bump into you at studio. I will learn a lot of stuff from you. But other than that, we actually not growing too much as an artist. It's actually still realized on the outside. Look at what Alan is doing. Mm-hmm. Taking some personal time, doing their own yeah. art to grow. So I think then I started slowly cluing and I think that's what I was subconsciously doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that's that's amazing and i'm sure you also had the drive to create because like you're you know it, you started being an artist because you wanted to create things so oh yeah i i, I have to draw yeah so that's why I think that's why you, you like you almost have no choice. Like you found an outlet that also paid, which is pretty great. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> yeah, why not? Right. Yeah. Well, it's like if you're gonna make art during a free time, why not get paid for it? It's well, and also time. like I, I literally don't know how to do anything else. So I, I, I need to <laughs> better keep my knife sharp. Ah, that's an interesting thing about uh, our career too. And, and it's like because of COVID, I guess I've been thinking about it. How man, we're lucky that our industry is actually going well because. I don't know what like, who would have thought, have right? Like I know, right? Yeah. Take that parents, right? Who's <laughs> <laughs> laughing now? Yeah, it's true. I guess I wanted to start asking you that, but um, how's your like life, your work situation right now? You, you have kids at home. Has it been tricky working from home? Uh, so I actually personally I go to studio. Okay, cool. Just because nobody's there, so it's actually pretty damn safe. Nice. Um, yeah. And. And also a huge part of it because of my position, I deal with so many projects. So I do need to network like constantly because mm-hmm. I'm, I have like three screens at work because I'm always shoveling in a project when I'm not, because I don't want to close it because you yeah, know yeah. how long it takes to open other <laughs> reference and stuff. So, yeah. so I just shove that on the side and I need to network constantly. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So, and also I'm extremely close by like then. So I just happen to be lucky. Um, but it is uh, it is cumbersome, right? Like uh, like remote working, like it's lucky, but like at the speed of it, like you lose like sensitivity on this antique. So it it is cumbersome. I don't think it's an ultimate solution long term, mm-hmm. but I think it does open a lot of uh, of a studio's eyes that okay, we actually don't need someone there nine to six that we can see them. Exactly. It's fine. It functions fine. It's okay. Everyone's an adult. They'll get their work done. I know, right? Like, <laughs> in, in in fact, I actually find some artists is performing better now because um, they can actually adjust a little bit closer to uh, their schedule, creative schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then in that way, have you found, like, has your life, has your work changed much over this, you know, let's say year? Um, it has because, like, our industry is booming yeah <laughs> it's 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 uh, nobody can make live action films so let's make some more animation content yeah. um so um it haven't changed too much for me uh, definitely live action has slowed down which is actually good because i have time to focus on my personal uh animated projects so mm-hmm. so uh, it, I, it's actually a blessing that's good aspect. well you, you the work stops so you could make more work so yeah (laughs) exactly no for sure and i think i think you posted this on instagram i don't think it's a spoiler you are working on personal ip right yeah okay is is that what you're spending your time on uh yeah so i yeah i have a writing partner and uh yeah we've been refining our pitches we have done a couple early stage pitches and got some good feedback so we're still learning um but like definitely yeah that's what we're trying to focus on and we have more of those coming so is that your first one that you're building yourself uh yep nice and um um i mean i guess with your experience like you've seen you've seen enough shows made where you you must have enough insight to know what needs what it needs to be working right uh in I guess I see. I have enough insight to know how I can probably get the best quality produced to produce it in the right amount of budget. 
mm-hmm. but um but because of the streaming like nobody knows what the algorithm like there's almost no point in chasing it like yeah like back in the days we know like every every year like for some reason everybody's working on the dragon show like <laughs> it's it's like fashion show like like fashion totally. uh, trend right like who who decide that but everybody can to do that right yeah yeah you see those but cycles right yeah there's no guessing anymore like now it's it's random yeah and, and until the things that they I found that Netflix don't release their numbers a lot, right? Like they they're don't. pretty secretive. Yeah. Even no, when you work with knows. them. Yeah. So I'm sure they got the power, but then does it mean that they will be able to buy or hire the shows because they'll know what's going to come up and nobody else would, but you'll, you know, like you'll know it's coming up because they're buying it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, that's also why they have their own studio now. Yeah. Yeah. They are producing stuff themselves. They are animating stuff themselves. Man, our industry is changing. It's pretty exciting, but it's kind of it's it's exciting because, like like we were saying before, right? Like like right now, like I, when I'm pitching my show, even though I have all the ingredients for it to make a toy line because that's what my love is, mm-hmm. um, but I don't have to worry about actually having a toy company attached to it anymore. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't matter how you're going to get that funding, you mean? like, or uh, Well, just because like Netflix doesn't care about if toys are getting made. Oh, yeah, 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 true. Yeah, um, so it, might be, it might be good that like it will turn into a toy, but that's not their primary focus. Mm. Their focus is driving the subscription number up yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, keep, or maintaining it. Yeah, I wonder if, the, if, if that on its own is also going to, going to be a cycle because like people, I mean, companies that sell toys, they're going to want to find ways to continue marketing. So I'm sure we're going to see more changes and some clever marketing tactics, right? I think there's ways to uh, change, utilize that. Is it going to be more Instagram toy ads because all the kids are, in, you know, like... Well, so what I'm surprised not happening yet is... Um, so now Netflix have their original properties already, right? Mm-hmm. I'm surprised I haven't seen like after you're done watching it. Here's our uh, our our shop where you can buy it, and also here's our game page. Like I haven't. I'm surprised. I'm almost yeah, guaranteed true. they're working something like a one-stop shop experience. Mm-hmm. So you just never even have to leave the site. Totally. Because when you think about it this way, like think of how much profit will go through just that website, uh, the, that service alone, right? Like totally. if all, yeah. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty genius. If they don't know it yet, you gotta pitch them. Uh, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure they have some like way smarter people already working on that. That's <laughs> uh, gonna be interesting. And I guess so. Yeah, there's so many shows. Uh, I guess like, is there a feeling of missing out? But because you're in the middle of it, you're working on like a couple of shows at the same time at your work, so you're really able to like touch a variety of animated projects coming out, right? Yeah, like from preschool to girl properties and and uh, and i think that's what it's interesting because like it's funny when i'm on the internet nobody cares about my animation stuff because all they care is like superhero yeah, yeah so sometimes when they find out like oh you work in animation they're like oh weird <laughs> um but i also because of my my job situation like my style is always kind of change. like i have my core style that what i do but because of I, I'm always getting influenced or readapting my mind to different things. It's almost constantly changing, which it's good for me as work, but also bad for me as work because like there's artists like um, I don't know, let's say like Creature Boss for example. Yeah. People go through them because they want exactly that. Mm-hmm. I am never that. I am never that guy. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm the guy that they call when like they don't know what to do. I can relate to that. And, uh, or because, like, because you, you're saying you do it for work, but also I find even for personal taste, I don't have a thing, a single thing I like. I like to do all these other things. So I find that I'm not, um, I'm not like consistent in what I make even stylistically or just, you know, I jump around in fine art and digital work where, um, but don't you feel like that's what makes, like you're saying, that's what makes you good at this job, right? The fact that you can just adapt. That's what people oh, yeah. need, right? Yeah, totally. Like I, 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 it's almost like I'm, I'm not, I'm not encumbered by my own personal taste, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. Totally. Do you ever like romanticize of this thing where like one day you'll just do personal work and nothing else? Do you have that in your mind? Uh, oh, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, uh, I think that's why the goal to create my own projects. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I also still want to collaborate, like at least collaborate or work on projects that other people involved. Because then I, I also just don't like getting stuck in my own world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like just talking to you, like, or any artist, like, um, there's so many cool, interesting ideas. And, and, and so I, I figure what I actually like the most uh, at my job. Oh, my kid's busy. Hello. Oh, come on a little bit. Oh, come on a little bit. Everyone's getting a sense for what it's like to work from home these days. Hey, there you go. <laughs> um, so, I think a few weeks ago, I figure out, finally figure out like what I enjoy my, mm-hmm. about my job. The part I enjoy the most is not drawing. It's, it is designing, but mostly it's just asking the question, what if? Because mm. I was a person. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think like designing really has something to do with drawing. It's just coming mm-hmm. with ideas. Um, we just need the drawing skills to conveyed it mm-hmm. and i think um and that conclusion stems stems from talking to some students um about uh often they ask the question what should they practice in terms of like drawing or illustrating but they never ask the question of practicing the thinking yeah um and that's really the main battle in design like i like most of these days i'm talking to client like I'm selling them on the design and I need to, them to believe in it before I draw it because they haven't actually signed a contract yet. Yeah. I need to convince them that we can do it. So I'm designing ahead of time. And then just to show them the design. That, but, that my theory is, then I go write my thesis, hey, it actually works. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Am I bullshitting sometimes? Yes. I, <laughs> I, I need to figure a way to, to convince them. It. And also that now I need to go prove it that actually works. And then when you are selling these ideas, you're you're designing or problem solving something to be work, working visually as good as possible and serve the story well. How often are those designs like super fresh? How do the how, how do I ask this question? I just feel like sometimes clients and maybe uh, other artists don't want something like completely original because then it doesn't like you can't point and say, well, it's not like since with that formula that already proven, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so like in your case, when you're trying to sell something, are you trying to sneak in something that you you get satisfied by the design and the uniqueness of it while at the same time doing what the uh, client wants? Yeah, I mean, that's always a case. Like, uh, like you, you, you're, uh, you probably already know the trick. Like there's always 
the design that they asked for, the <laughs> middle one is the design that they asked for, plus what I think is actually would be something more uh, more more fresh that yeah, is yeah. new. Mm. And then the 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 one on the far side, usually the one that pushed way to extreme, so they don't pick it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And right. and and sure enough, you know, like you know, there are times that they will pick the one that the safe zone. Um, which is human nature. They, they, you know, they, they are familiar with it. They has been proven. Um, mm-hmm. Spider Verse is a perfect example because before Spider Verse, I've seen the technique, but only people only brave enough to do it in shorts. Yeah, yeah. And they are the only one that are brave enough to put it on a big screen on a big Marvel property, mm-hmm. on big, yeah, with a big director. So, um, so, so, but now and then now, how many times have you been asked like? Can we get something like Spider Verse? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And 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 that's kind of just how it is. And uh yeah, and, and sometimes part of our job is just to be okay with like, you know, that might not be what we ultimately want, but um we always still find some way to steer it closer uh yeah. in during the process though. So totally. I'm glad actually that Spider Verse did push the envelope a little farther as far as like what the bar or like what limitations are right i think it just made maybe totally. make studios a little bit more open to other things that could be yeah. interesting the reason i asked you about uh, kind of pitching unique ideas to clients is because you you mentioned students and how they should think about how to design on top of the skills and everything else but it feels like um on one hand you know you're saying people are not learning how to like really think through problems in design I think part of the reason is because often as artists we you know you probably go on art station just mimic whoever's on there so in a way right. you're not learning designs problem solving design skills because you're just kind of looking at what's out there right like to yeah. to really think through design you almost have to go like the industrial design way and like look at nature yeah. and how that translates into it's harder to get inspired by or I guess original ideas i guess maybe um mm-hmm. visually um like back in back in the days like when i was younger like I, mm-hmm. not younger in my career but like actually when i was a kid mm-hmm. like the only way i get to get reference is ask my buck my grandma to take me to a newspaper stand so i can look at comic books uh and then i have to go home think about what i draw and then draw it and then take it back to the stand next day to see if it's accurate that's cool like I, I couldn't Google search like what this like Superman looks like. <laughs> um, so in some way, I, I'm 38. I think you're close to around my age, right? Like in your third, like early 30s, I'm late 30. 20s. Oh, you're 30. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I just no busted your age. Um, but, <laughs> no worries. But like, um, yeah, like in, in some way, like I had to develop things myself because mm-hmm. I did not have anything to guide me. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm thinking now I'm, I'm coming up as an artist now, it's almost scares me because like they're so saturated with mm-hmm. information and it's hard to, um, when you're exposed to like, you know, big Hollywood stuff aesthetic at a young age, you can't help to, that's your aesthetic. Yeah. Um, and that's why I like often like ask designers like, Hey, find reference, but like, can you put it away while you're drawing? Cause when, when something is just in your peripheral, like you cannot help it that it seeps in your brain. Mm-hmm. 
but once you like looked at it and study it and then put it away and at least in some way you're spitting out what your brain interpreted exactly you're still allowing your artistry to come out right your opinion and taste and mistakes and flavor yeah so like like i i i have a personal hate against pinterest <laughs> just because of that because it's always there and you can always look at it yeah and like uh, i find a lot of people realize on it almost too much mm. like i i'm always like if i if i give someone let's say a design brief i would hope at least they would have a thought quickly jot something down first like this is kind of what i think personally would or should be like and then find reference <clears throat> rather than mm-hmm. like let me look up pinterest on these keywords that my boss just gave me yeah that's a and really smart just that advice. one step makes a huge uh huge difference totally uh, that's really really good advice and i i found myself having to get over the crutch of needing reference to start because at a certain point i did start doing that like you're uh, at a certain point i would gather my reference and then start working and i've noticed that like you said you're just way too influenced and you're also you're not making enough um, radical or bigger decisions just because you're already slightly constrained by your reference right and so that thing of like also just... we're under t- and also we're under time crunch totally yeah. so we are in some way force you go straight to what familiar with that's how opening works mm-hmm. yeah but drawing first so that's like you know do your artist thing right like you, yeah. you do this for a reason you have the skill and then, yeah yeah <laughs> like imagination is a thing exactly and, and, and I, even though like my imagination part based on things that i watch i watched growing up yeah but at least it has been put through my my own blender in my head <laughs> totally. and at least it's been regurgitated in my own way first yeah the thing about reference for me was like i i wanted to get something more accurate and you know but that's not the point really in ideating right the the idea stage is not about accurate as it is about ideas and yeah you know, like i can bigger. i can find reference of like how a piston works or like how a i don't know nu- nuclear fusion reactor works in real world yeah. but at least like i i have predetermined a shape or composition first Totally. Yeah. I got to do that. And so I tried doing that more, but it's trust. It's like, you have to trust yourself or you have to know that you're, you're good enough now to do that without needing the other stuff. Um, right. And I don't know how other artists do it or deal with it. Cause some people just draw naturally and they don't even worry about it. Um, for me. Yeah. I don't know. It always felt like for me, it, you have to consciously be like, Hey man, you've drawn enough stuff where just like, calm down, just draw what you think. Yeah. <laughs> you're a very good artist you can do it oh, thanks man that's a tricky one never good enough you know so it's figuring out when do you want to embrace the skills that you got and do something with it or yeah uh do you uh, i guess like so man there's so much so now that you've been direct, art, art directing for a while when you first started um art directing did you think you would be going back to being a designer or at that point where you pretty much set on like this is what i'm going to be doing for me it was a yeah. way of uh it was no return <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it it was i i think that the gate kind of shut behind me and i i just have to keep going down the path and is it just because like you're saying that's what you enjoyed the most yeah i think in some way i don't know i i, I think in some way i i'm i'm very controlling mm-hmm. in terms of uh the vision visual um so the only way for me to have more 
more say um, uh, at it is, is that path. Um, mm. And yes, I do miss like get to design every single thing every day, but um, I think at that point, then I have to balance like, okay, do I want a, a more cre have more creative say uh, in the beginning stage or do I want to um, actually enjoy more of the, the actual crafting part of it? And I chose that I, I enjoy the part that determining what the guy the the direction is that fulfills me better. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Do you feel like uh, on kind of on this topic, do you think there's a wrong way to do you think there's wrong decisions in our directing? Right. Like because it's in a way it's abstract, as in like what is our direction going to be? Right. And as long as it satisfies the client, I guess, or it sells, but like do you um, do you ever, do you have kind of rules for yourself? Is there like wrong aesthetics to pursue? Um, I don't think there's wrong aesthetic to pursue, but I think there are irresponsible aesthetic to pursue mm -hmm. when you're a director. Talk about that more. What do you mean? Um, well, when you're a director, now you have to not just watch out for your department. You now have to think about other departments. Mm -hmm. Um, and and if you design something that cannot be produced then uh, by CG team, then you're responsible to them. <laughs> yeah. And then you're responsible to the client because you sold them something essentially couldn't be made. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they end up getting like a watered down version. So um, I guess my philosophy is like, I, I think you should always, of course you should always strive for like higher quality, but to me, a well-designed show is a show that is designed with the best, but also with consistency. Mm. Like, yeah. um, like I rather have a show designed to what I know the budget is. Is it can be fulfilled to the highest within the budget than design something that is over budget and then it has to be forced to drop the quality down. Because at that mm -hmm. point, the quality drop is not a control quality drop. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it, it becomes sense. a mistake rather than the control quality drop. And that's why a lot of times when you see like um, shows that are turned from like high budget movies, let's say like Ice Age or one of those things, like they still try to keep that aesthetic, but like, you know, they cannot do the grim the same doesn't way. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so I'm always like, why don't they just design a new aesthetic that have the essence of it? But you know, it's a, and kids are smart enough to understand. Um, yeah. I know they try to reuse the assets. <laughs> but then it's, it's obvious ne it's never that way right yeah exactly you have so, this like one super shiny nice thing amongst all the assets that are cheaply done because <laughs> exactly exactly and and you can always tell and that's why i i i think especially for episodic format i think consistency it's very important comparing to you know like what is the the groundbreaking stuff yeah. um, stylistically um, so yeah, I think that's why I'm like, ah, I don't think that's a wrong direction, but um, they are irresponsible direction. Mm -hmm. Actually the wrong direction is have no direction. There you go. Boom. <laughs> it's better uh, for you... our director to go down the wrong path and then change it. Then like, ah, I don't know what to do. Exactly. And then you're in trouble. Yeah. When you, when uh, coming up with a new look for like, when coming up with a new art direction, it, it seems like quite often it's such a big task 
you know, uh, unless there's con- constraints created, like, you know, client says they want it to be like this or that, or, but when, when you think about coming up with a new art direction and especially for yourself where you'd find it interesting, um, you know, like if that was a task right now, where would you go? What would you do? What kind of process would you use in order to make it uh, again, in some way, fresh, in some way, unique, because these days we're, you know, you're saying was uh, overflow of information, you know, Instagram and everything else. It's very easy to be influenced by everything. Uh-huh. Um, so what would you do if you had to create something new? Um, okay. So, I mean, like one of the actual recent current example is like, there's like an, that's another like deaf project I need to do that, you know, it's more, let's say more adult theme or something. Mm-hmm. Um, my first thing to do was like, okay, let's actually go look at what, uh, Look at some um, uh, artists or influence influences um, outside of North America. So I was looking at like 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 Frank, uh, like Mobius and other artists because just naturally that has a different aesthetic already. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're always kind of starting at a at a geographically a different very different point of view, mm-hmm. and so even from that, like if I start adding back um, all the references that the client won from North America. I'm still in some way a start out a different origin point. So so I just that just anchors me a little bit better in terms of like not overlapping with other things. Um yeah. and but I mean yeah I mean usually even though client let's say they have no vision they 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 already still have something that they uh either a buyer they're trying to sell to who already have something that they like mm-hmm. you know like so uh, there's usually always at least some sort of guideline um so the the best way i can see is uh, look look outside of the either usually cultural references um like trying to go like so far um out of context um mm-hmm. yeah um yeah, I guess like the, the, the unique approach, because otherwise you'll, in some ways, you may be pigeonholed into something that already exists, right? So like you're saying, that being able to provide options where you kind of lean where you want it to be seems to be pretty important. Yeah. And it's important to us as artists, right? Because I think most people will never know. It's like as a as a skill, as a craft that we're developing, we care that it, it does something new where everyone else probably doesn't. No, and and it's true. Like, you know, the, 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 the thing that like people hate hearing the most and i sometimes i'm like kids really don't care what they're watching <laughs> like special preschool, preschool stuff and yeah like they can be watching pepper pig which is like a very not crudely drawn it's just a very it's just very simplistic mm-hmm. style and they will also watch something super high end and same level of enjoyment exactly yeah in that but i think you know it's funny you talk about kids i mean you could say the same thing about for example, fine art, you know, people want to see a big black square or they want to see a John Singer Sargent painting. It's true. And, 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 and that's really funny because, um, uh, since the whole clubhouse shenanigans, like, uh, I'm, I'm not a smart technology guys, but, uh, uh, I've been just listening to what like MFT, like a crypto art Mm -hmm. are. And I look at it, I'm like, those are almost reminiscent of like a lot of like art that was like, early cg artists doing of like motion graphics as totally like yeah. early blender tests for like sunny or alan <laughs> um 
with some um, techno music. It's yeah. called yeah, like like add it to it, and but to like other people in that world, like those are amazing and whole new things. So who are we to judge? Exactly. Well, that's why it's like we're kind of in. You know, we we are own judges and we judge ourselves very different but it's uh it's very i guess it's very healthy to remind ourselves and every once in a while that like this is our just our nerdy thing and the rest of the world doesn't actually think that it matters as much i think it's easy yeah. to get lost within this like especially when all you do is follow artists and everywhere you go is you look at art it's very easy to start thinking that it matters so much and that it's so important to get to become the best and know every little thing and i, I definitely fall into that uh, sometimes where you know you surround yourself with so much good art and people striving to be the best and are so much better that you can't help but think like man gotta like, keep them going yeah. i think i'm so, i almost passed that point like i see like like artists like alan or just kids coming out of school already know <laughs> blender unreal like like they know it all it's yeah. it's beyond my point like I, I i don't i shouldn't even care anymore like <laughs> I don't care. I'm so passionate about it, but like, it, why am I bothered by it? I shouldn't be bothered by that anymore. It's just that's just how it is. But don't you think that that just doesn't it just mean that it's not your interest to learn 3D software? Because like, like, let's be honest, that's it's not, not like true. You, really? Oh, it's true. Because I, I, I love free modeling. Like back in the days, I can design and model my own stuff, and it's super exciting. But like, I, I've been trying to learn Blender. You know, like mm-hmm. actually, like last year at work like i have to you know like have my review and i have to put in like some goals that you know i yeah. want to work on right like i want to learn blender i want to learn zbrush because hey i'm supposed to have downtime <laughs> <laughs> like i i i do some zbrush stuff and then for like a day or two and then i don't have time to use it for five days i'm starting over again exactly every time yeah like yeah the reason i assume that you may not like it as much because it's not like you you know you have a strong work ethic and you spend a lot of time on art anyway so it's it's not like you like you got some time but i'm assuming like or i was assuming you can let me know is that in your like when you have to when you get to choose what gets the priority the priority gets taken over by the the cool superhero stuff you get to do right um as in because you you probably could trade that time for you know learning blender but not only like that's a long haul but you know the it just doesn't give back as much, or at least not in a short term. Right. Well, I guess I guess there's the financial part of it. Like I have a mm-hmm. family. Yeah. Um, but I think also like by the time I get to the super stuff, like it's already the end of my day. So my brain power is already like mm. working like, you know, like half capacity and learning like a new thing. It's actually not the most efficient I tried. Um, but I think also I'm still evaluating my ultimate goal as to become more of a creator slash maybe like producing position which my other stuff is still like more likely to lead me there Mm -hmm. so just waiting on all those different factors um i guess that's why like usually those freelance job um and and a lot of them are strategically chosen freelance too usually they either get me new contact or they uh, get me to uh, different positions like that maybe like let me I don't know maybe could introduce me to like a Netflix producer or something hi <laughs> and he's got visitors <laughs> want to come visit 
Okay, you can come visit. Let's visit and say hello. Say hello. Do, you, do your kids draw? Oh, yeah. Do you like to draw? Yeah, he loves drawing. <laughs> and he also loves art directing. You're influencing everyone. Were your parents actually cool with you doing art? Uh, yes, because I was already making money at 16. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, my... I, my mom always uh, was a little bit more open than the the you know usually you hear about like Asian parents say more strict in terms of career. Mm-hmm. It's true a lot of the times, but my mom was always my mom was a seamstress, so she maybe that maybe it has to do with that. She was not she was never concerned about me mm-hmm. um, going yeah. into drawing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really nice because I I just wanted to ask you like in that way. Do you see like the way you see yourself treating your like kids and seeing where they're gonna go with their career path in the future? Because you're an artist and you got to go into the art, do you think you're gonna like how, how is your approach gonna be? Uh, um, interesting because my my the oldest stepdaughter she's fourteen and she already did she wants to go to animation. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah, so um, uh, it's it's funny because like from my point of view, I'm like, yeah, it's cool. Cause you know, I can probably like help you out. And yeah, maybe yeah. by that time I have a studio that you can, there you go. and then, but, but then uh, of course, like my wife's like, no, you should like study other things. So you like fall back on. So, so, so <laughs> there's uh, a balanced thinking, balanced thinking, right? But I think I also part of it. Cause I see that she is actually like, um, passionate about it and she's dedicated mm-hmm. to it. So, um, I mean, like that was, I don't know if that's the same saying, like, but in my culture, like if you can be like good at like any career, mm. if you are like actually dedicated to it, right? So totally. Yeah. I, uh, I think that's a really way, a good way to put it and a really good way of thinking. How about, about yourself? Yeah. Uh, what about me? Sir? Like how about your, your, like your parents? Like, oh, my parents, they... um, yeah, they're, yeah, they're quite supportive. And I think, so I come from a, a Russian family and I think in Russia, the arts in general is quite respected. Right. Um, so I think that's why, whether, you know, it was going to make money or not, I, I think in Russian culture, people like look up to the arts. And then it just, when it came down to looking for a career, my dad especially did like talk to me about finding something that is actually going to make money so it wasn't just going to be like I wasn't just going to try becoming like a solo artist you know it was like right. what's so that, so then like that's why I ended up going into animation because like what's the closest thing to being an artist while still having a higher chances of making a living right and looking back on it it was pretty like, it was very good advice I'm I'm happy where I'm at. And of course, like you'd never know where else it could take you. But I think, you know, going through animation, but then still knowing that drawing and designing is what mm-hmm. I loved and having that ability to transition. But that that is, of course, because just like you're saying, I got lucky because I got to come to Canada. I was 13. And so, you know, these opportunities exist here. And even the fact that once you're in a studio and, you know, you got a job, other there's ways to transition to other departments. There's, you know, there's... There's a lot of opportunities here. They're pretty incredible. So, um, right. I think that's so, why the path was really good. Yeah. So it's your podcast, but I'm asking you, because <laughs> um, like I always see you like I think partially because when I first know you, you were not a um, in the art department or designer. 
Mm-hmm. But I already I already know you at that point. You're you're a very good artist. Like I consider you like artist artist. <laughs> and man. do you do you miss that part yourself? Like in terms of like, because um, I I totally can see you. You know, like doing shows in galleries and stuff, which mm-hmm. I believe you have done. And um, you know, I make a lot of amazing murals in town. And like, do you want to at some point in your art life go back to doing that yeah i think so i i i feel like um preparing for or like building an art show is a very cool thing because you dedicate yourself to something so much and because it's a solo thing it it you know it fails or it succeeds only because of you and in that way it's pretty exciting you know like you're uh, it's it's a lot of pressure but i think there's a lot of gratification and you know just like growth as you're trying to build something I feel like murals are really fun just because you get to create something for others and, you know, it's there for others. And once you're done, you don't really own it because people will tag it and do whatever you want right. with it, but it's cool right. to be able to put it out there. I just, um, it's interesting that I, I did a number of art shows in Vancouver, but then at a certain point I felt like, um, I felt like if I really wanted to get much better at it, I would need a lot more time. Like if I really wanted to be serious about fine art, I think it would need to be, it would, you know, it only makes sense that you have to treat it like a full-time career to get really great at it. And that doesn't just include painting, that includes marketing and the way you handle yourself and where you show your work. And so I feel like in that sense, at a certain point, I just ended up focusing more on this career. Yeah, but I think uh, to I guess to your question, I hope one day I hope uh, ideally to go ba- back and forth. Right now, actually, like uh, this last year or so, uh, I wanted because I've been art directing, and as we talk, like you don't get to paint as much when you are direct. I wanted to focus a little bit more on personal skill, um, just to keep up with it. And I'm also slowly working on a short film, so that's like a that's nice. uh, oh right. That's like, you told me about it. That's right. Yeah, so that's like a you know scary thing to do, but very challenging and i think for that reason it would be very beneficial so i think like goals shift but uh, i i do not i'm not like uh taking my sight off fine art i want to do it in some sort of capacity even if it's like small but uh certainly i see a lot of value to it and i think uh in the same ways you're mentioning doing live action and 3d there's lessons you can learn from traditional painting that will go into your every other type mm-hmm. of art so it all it all feeds onto one another yeah yeah yeah, I think I think all, all all those things are what it's doing is just stimulating your brain, or artistic brain. Yeah. 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 Um, I guess back to you now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to know. So, like you, I mean, you've been our uh, our directing for quite a while now. Is there and you you're saying you're teaching? So, is there advice that you usually give to people who do consider art directing? Um. Yeah. I'm not like actively teaching, but I just uh, do like a lot of like guest speaking um, mm. for class. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Like I, I never thought I want to be an art director. I think it was just out of like necessity of like, I want more control. Mm-hmm. And therefore that's a logical step to take. Um, uh, but I, I mean, also, I think back then, I think we're not as exposed to like all the different processes of what does an art director do? What's the difference between that and production designer on the film? Yeah. yeah. So I think I never strive to be an art director, but um, I can't, I don't know what to answer with that one yet, but the question that I asked 
get asked often is like, so you didn't want to be this dev artist. <laughs> um, now, to me, this dev artist is not an entry position because in order for you to this dev, you actually need to know almost how everything would, would go in yeah. the whole pipeline. Um, so uh, I usually advise them like, and I'm not saying it's not possible because like, you know, um, there's always the really amazing young artists that just happen to have that right spark that like gets snapped by Pixar or DreamWorks. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think to be a visit artist or at least a, a successful one, I think you do need to go through the grind a little bit just to learn the different department. Because if you pre-visualizing essentially doing the characters before there's character design, doing the lighting without the lighting department essentially. Yeah. Or like before any assets are there. Sorry. No worries, man. Um, um, so I guess that's my advice because like essentially at that point when you're visiting artists, you're self-art directing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so... Um, I guess this dev just looks like that kind of like sexy career where, you know, everyone again, thinks yeah. they want to do. Yeah. Going back to the glamour thing, like, like oh, you get to um, do blue sky ideas because there's no restriction yet. You're just looking for inspirations. You get to explore. Um, sure, that is your task. But then actually that is some really heavy responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Because at that stage, usually either in pitching stage or in like early, like, pre-pro stage that sets a tone for like everything else behind you after you mm. um so and actually then didn't get a lot of criticism when you're at that stage because it's kind of almost make or break stage for a film or an t- series so yeah. um i don't think someone who just fresh in a career may not be uh built for that emotionally and i think uh you don't realize how much consideration needs to go into it until you do it right the amount of decisions that you need to make that would be on screen like just even visually in a 2d artwork um to explain a show style or a look uh so many things in there matter where like uh, unless you know how production works like you're saying like the kind of stuff you need to draw and how will dictate what you're really trying to say about how the show would be built, right? And it's actually really complicated once you really start thinking about the decisions that are done there. Yeah, and I think uh, especially like, you know, a lot of this step for like, um, for for f- film and TV series format, like you are drawing a pretty picture, but you really trying to capture like a moment in the film. Mm, the mood, it's more yeah. about the, the emotion of it um, versus, um, and I'm not saying, I'm not putting anything on the exam, like a this step from maybe video game might be a bit different because like, it's more about like just the pure visual impact of it. Yeah. Um, I guess it depends on what you get hired on, right? Like if people want yeah. paintings or keyframes, right? So then it's kind of a different story. Um, yeah. In that sense, it's so abstract. Um, I feel like uh, your, your family is waiting for you. Uh, no, I'll no, just do a couple no. more questions. And, no, no, uh, that's good. It's all good. Okay. He was trying There's to guy. He trying to see if he can sleep in his sister's bed instead. <laughs> <laughs> Big questions. You get to get some problems solved. Oh, yeah. Um I guess it's since we're talking about uh 
Actually, yeah, this is the one I wanted to ask because you're doing both. Do you ever, do you, do you pick a favorite between your like live action design or 3D or 2D? Is there a favorite thing to do? Um, favorite thing as in like the task, like the process or like do you have a favorite like design between the two? Kind of Let's do both. Let's do both. Um, <laughs> hmm. Oh, that's, that's very difficult. Um, I, okay, it is very difficult for me to choose because like, um, the, the satisfaction for costume is, it becomes a physical product that like, um, someone is wearing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Yes, you can. Okay. Um, is he allowed, allowed to sleep in his sister's bed? Yeah. Okay, um, good. I think he's trying to make a case. I think he's using me as the weapon because I think oh. sisters don't want him to sleep in there. See, he's using my, he's using my brain, my uh, my age client negotiation exactly. tactic. Um, yeah. So um, for the costumes, like yeah, like it's amazing to actually see something built and being worn. Mm -hmm. um, and on the animation side, I've been fortunate enough to work on things that I get to dictate what the toys looks like, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, the satisfaction is something turning into physical, some tangible yeah, yeah. thing. Um, but um, I, I think I still like leaning more like animation because I think animation, it really does allow me to use my full creativity. And I think that's why initially I want to focus on animation, um, even though I started in live action. Um, because like, especially back in the days, like how often you actually get to design like a spaceship or something, right? That's mm -hmm. before the Marvel crazy sci-fi movies. Like, yeah. I don't want to stop designing, like doing a, what a 7-Eleven looks like in like Burnaby or something, just yeah. redressing it. Um, so I, I still think animation has, uh, it suits me more, um, satisfy my creativity more because. Yeah, the, yeah there's certainly the a lot more creativity. Yeah, a lot more just because you, you kind of have to make everything from scratch, right? Or in some ways, re restylize, redesign. Yeah. Um, but also interesting enough, like what is animation these days, right? Like look at Alberto Miago, like his film looks live action, yeah, but with fantastical element of animation. So yeah. I think I'm still at the better spot because like it could be anything now. Totally. Like Unreal Engine. Is it live action? I don't know. Yeah. But for me, so for example, like, uh, I don't know if you played The Last of Us 2 or seen any concept art for that. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So looking uh, at Last of Us 2 concept art is just gorgeous, gorgeous. But, you know, they're photo bashed, painted and really, really well done. It's not like obvious photo bash, but they are kind of like you're saying, they're redressed or like, you know, you, you take a city, you break it. But it's it, it feels like a different kind of task. And even listening to the I think I saw a talk about the concept artist for that game and how often part of the concept artist or designer's job was to just to think about how, if something broke, how would the grass or how would things go over it? And where would the weathering be? Right. Like right. that's the kind of, that's the kind of task they've solved. And technically we're in the same industry. Right. But it's such a different way of designing versus what kind of stuff we design. Yeah. I think almost more of they, what they're doing, they are almost doing more like shot designing in a lot of ways. Like, mm -hmm. like how, how to, Thing to do more like lighting designs in, in if if anything how to you trigger the the um the the player to look at a certain spot that has to do with the story point or where to climb mm -hmm. 
by using the lighting or um, just by changing the temperature of the color palette to trigger that. Um, it know. almost sounds like a different job though, right? Doesn't it? Like similar skills, but yeah. yeah. It's like, you... uh, they almost more like a, like a DP. Yeah. Have you, have you finished, have you played the game? Uh, no, because I didn't have time. I watched the whole thing and uh, oh, I did nice. buy the game. So uh, I was hoping <laughs> maybe during Christmas I can play through it, but I didn't get to it. I, I'm still trying to finish the Spider-Man game. Oh, Not the okay. new one, the first one. There's never enough time, dude. No. Just waiting for retirement one day so you can just play all the games and oh, it's yeah, probably not gonna happen. We're still gonna be comes. making art. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're talking about types of uh, design and animation. Yeah, but so like to that point, you know, you're asking like, what is animation? Yeah, it's really it's it's cool to see even more, and I think SBR is gonna start trickling in more it hasn't fully yet right but i have a feeling you know it's probably gonna kick in at some point a little bit more than it has now so on that topic the vr um mm -hmm. is very interesting because um there are already like vr uh, vr movie or film or mm -hmm. i guess they call it experience like to me it's just to me it is a almost like a a ride like a universal studio ride mm -hmm. yeah, yeah um but is that because of just the way I grew up? I've been taught that cinema is when a director dictate how the storytelling goes. Mm -hmm. so, so sure, even though if you mean me watch the same movie, we might get slight different emotions, but generally is it's close. Yeah. Um, so when you're in the VR experience, like I could be looking at any point of view, so like it's not really a storytelling, it's an experience. So to me, that's not storytelling, that's story experiencing. Yeah. But for the generation that's growing up next, to them, maybe that's what cinema is because cinema to them is supposed to be able to experience. Yeah. So that's an interesting topic that I yeah, that's an think interesting about thought. a lot. And also... But that's why, it, in a way, it's like a new medium, right? It's, uh, you can't almost exactly, like, that's why you're calling it an experience. Yeah, maybe you can't call it cinema exactly or a movie for the fact that now the rules are different of experiencing it. Right? Yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. Like, it's it's not, yeah, it's not cinema or it's not a movie. So so that's that's just a part that I'm kind of like my, my, my dinosaur brain is struggling. <laughs> unless, you know, unless it... It does what Last of Us do, does, where I feel like Last of Us is linear, and you can kind of you can still go places. Like you can't go away from to different places too far. But like you're saying, those the artists staged the actions and they staged the places where you need to go so well that you sometimes like you go there and you don't even know why. But when you I, analyze, yeah, it's I like think they put I think they are through. extremely good at hiding it. Exactly. Even so though it's they, extremely linear. Yeah, maybe there's a way to do that uh, in VR as well, where you think you have a choice, but actually the experience is designed so beautifully well that it takes you where you need to get to eventually. Or so how I can how I can see maybe applying VR is like, and I don't know think it works for like all genres of movies, but like definitely like sci-fi or like a horror genre, like maybe you go to theater, you can actually choose which character you want to be to experience the movie in. Ooh, that's cool. So you're still you still predetermine where to look because that's how, yeah. what I think cinema is. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. but maybe you get to choose like you want to be the like a uh, cabin in the woods or something you can <laughs> choose to be the stoner or you can be chris hemsworth like so i don't know maybe for some some people the movie will be very short yeah <laughs> maybe you get to maybe experience a movie like you can almost like watch a movie a couple times almost like uh, mm-hmm. but then it makes me think man our industry is going to get even bigger it's going to be so much work <laughs> i don't know like things are uh, definitely the um what's that character done real character creator thing oh man yeah it's... what's it called metahuman no what is it Something metahuman like? yeah metahuman oh it is okay yeah and i've seen quite a, i actually seen quite a few like almost ai driven like um concept art in some way concept art generator almost like it's yeah. getting crazy on that same topic then this is also the reason why i feel like it it may be better to keep getting stronger at stylized animated work because that's the one that's going to be replaced later on, right? I, I don't know if you can replace it. Uh, you said there's a generator, but I hope not. I mean... Well, no, no, in terms of, like, let's say stylized, like... Because uh, stylized is always going to be, like, not everybody would agree with. Yeah. I feel like anything that AI generates, it's more so, like... It's based on what everybody, because it's based on like a library of things. It's based on that. This is what mm-hmm. we spit it out. So to me, those are like some sort of agreement of some sort. Yeah. And I feel like stylizing is always more of an emotional choice. Yeah, that's true. Especially when you have time to put the decision making into yeah. the design. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because, right, like we, we're on a country, the, all the realistic stuff and I think there's still a lot of human hand that needs to be involved, right? Because people use like 3D scans and mm-hmm. uh, ways, but there's still quite a lot of work. Um, and maybe it's getting easier, the translation from the real thing into the engine. Um, right. But but that's very li- that's more likely to go, right? Although at the same time, like if you need to design a mech for an Avengers movie, like you can't yeah. 3D scan a mech. It doesn't exist. No. So, <laughs> But I mean, hey, I've seen, I mean, even a lot of the Hollywood like concept artists and again like I admire them like I'm not bashing any of them um a lot of them have the same aesthetic they're using the same kit bashing Mm -hmm. um kit with the same similar mechanical parts yeah so the ultimate outcome is still very similar Mm -hmm. I think this is why you know when you're saying how when if you want to design something new you look outside of North America I feel like in the same way for that industry like maybe we're so used to the North American aesthetic and stuff like that and and I know like it's not like kid bash kid those kids are like country based or whatever but I feel like to get something different or more unique and outside of the maybe the, the generic view um we got to go kind of just keep looking outside of the kind of predetermined view yeah. of what a robot is or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like if you're designing a robot, look at an insect. Or if you're designing an insect, look at, um, I don't know, look at a, a tree. <laughs> exactly. But, no. but always look outside of the the context that people would think of. Do you remember one thing that's like the first thing that jumped to my mind that I really loved? Do, do you remember in uh, the robot in Interstellar? Oh yeah, the, the 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 rectangle cube thing. The cube thing. It was so cool, and it it seemed to me, and I don't know, I don't know if you know, but it looked like to me that sometimes it was actually a practical like a thing on set. It's like they actually built it, and then there's so, so it can fold, right? Yeah, exactly. And then there's it's like a sandwich board. Totally. <laughs> I thought I it was so clever. Were, 
I think it did the practical thing for the simple test.、Mm. Especially Christopher Nolan, he's all about practical.、Oh, yeah. Totally, I love that. I'm I'm glad that that is still a thing, and you know, people with his pull can keep doing it.、Um, did you watch、mm-hmm. Tenet? No, not yet.、Okay. I mean, I'm I'm very behind. I will not talk about it. <laughs> you can if you want, but yeah, I'll I'll、no, have to get to that. That's another podcast. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. But yeah, I feel like that that robot thing. It was just such a clever, simple design, and it did what it did. It did the job. It almost doesn't make sense how it works, but it was like it was just so, it was just so fresh. Like man, I've never seen anything like that, and it made sense for that world. You know, it made sense that it didn't look like a transformer. Right, 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 yeah. and yeah, and that's the thing I've I found about pretty much all, all Christopher Nolan's film aesthetic wise, just maybe not Dunkirk because that's a historical yeah, movie, but、yeah. um, but he's always able to create something that is so unusual, but you never question in terms of the the logic of it because at the base of it, like he. he You can sense that he had done his research, and like how things actually works. So, yeah, his his stuff is always almost like a heightened, fantastical version of the working version. And in in that sense, how much credit do you think you, we can give him? Like, do you think could he be working with the same production designer every time? Like,、uh, I think that's huge part of it. But the the other huge part of it is like I give him credit of allowing that person to do it.、Mm. Yeah, and that's his flavor, kind of translating. Yeah,、exactly. that's incredible.、Uh, you said you're you mentioned you're working on Sonic Two movie,、um, or you know, and even previous live action things you've designed. How much of that, like on the same topic of that flavor of the director, translates into your work? Like, how much of direction do you see get to you? Um. Ah,、uh, there's definitely like some, but um. I think one thing because usually when they contact me is specifically for the purpose of what I do or I'm good at, so they kind of trust me a fair bit.、Mm-hmm. That's awesome.、Um, and、uh, but for sure, like every director, definitely like they have their like when I show them the options, like definitely I can start telling what the what the What the flavor is, and I will start tailoring. Like, okay, I can kind of pick that. Okay, I I know what aesthetic you you like more.、Uh, you like like grungier cyberpunk stuff, or like you like something that is more sleek, like Apple product type aesthetic. So、mm. that's interesting. So in that sense, like because they're hiring you in the first place, it's kind of like what you're saying about Nolan is like because they already know the person they trust. They They're in a way controlling the results they're going to get by getting the person、uh, right with that skill set. Yeah. yeah, and I think that applies a lot more in terms of you know on 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 feature films that、um, that often is a luxury that like、um, episodic animation、um, don't get to have is that、uh, specialist、um, yeah. artists,、yeah. um, and that translates to like you know sometimes like often another often.、Uh, A question often asked by students is like, should I be a journalist or specialist?、Mm-hmm. It really depends. One, what your passion is, and second, like, which which sector of the film industry or an entertainment industry you want to get into. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, and it's 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 kind of hard to tell because, for example, like indie 
game studios are making a huge camp comeback in a way. So it's, it's hard to say, like, you can't just say maybe generalist is not going to work. Cause for a while I thought it would be harder to be a generalist because so many studios are specializing roles, but at the same time, you know, with, uh, you see projects where it's like five people team using blender, just built everything. So that yeah. I don't know. That's it's possible. I guess it's yeah. crazy. Well, and I think like a lot of the things are changing almost like for, for uh, it, is, it is for the good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like film industry, like the especially bigger budget, like either it doesn't matter animation or triple A games, they always high specialists because they want guarantee result. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, and so in that sense, like, it makes sense. It's, that's why they always in design departments. There's always like character artist, environment artist. There's no there's crossover a guy. There's a do what guy. you do exactly. Yeah, yeah. you want the. You want the cyber warfare, you can't ban the role. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, and you'll do it um, really well. You want creature, you can't level page. Um, um, but in so in some way, like working on like TV animation, um, if you do like to try different things, it, it allows you, in fact, it almost requires that. You're not you don't have to be very good at all of them, but like you get to experience a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And I like that aspect. Uh, I've never worked on feature anime, animated films, but I, I do like the aspect of like, that you get to try, like you said, all these things. And I, when I designed, when I was a designer, I loved the fact that I didn't only do characters or environments or props. Like you, you got a variety and that way mm-hmm. as an artist, you grow so much more. Totally. Uh, I think just because you get to try things you may not be good at and you got to learn at, at a job. Yeah. And I think especially like, um, <clears throat> I think that actually helps almost speed up a little bit in terms of um, nurturing the art director skills mentality mm. because yeah. you do get to experience more aspects of the of those things in a shorter time. And but imagine you working on a live action film or like a triple game, it's like just to crawl through within the art department of different aspects of it. Like mm-hmm. they'll take a, might take a long time. And especially, you know, it like in the industry, like if you're good at something, people want you to keep doing that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> right? And like, I'm sure like uh, you were a very good animator. I'm sure like animation department be like, don't steal him away. <laughs> it's always the case. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. Have you ever, it's really nice to talk to you. Have you, have you ever been jaded about, uh, about the animation industry? Uh jade um no not really i i mean one of it i think just my personality i things don't really get to me very easily (laughs) um and then second i think i have been relatively fortunate in the industry Mm -hmm. um but i think i felt jaded um about a lot like like what i was saying in the beginning about the how how people how the industry view like the 2d animation like I, mm. I i do feel a lot for that like i think something should be done about that yep. um so often not necessarily like from my my own experience but like just it is like my surrounding yeah mm. okay i have but you still because it's it's cool that i mean you've done it long enough but you still got the energy and the excitement for it which i love i it's uh I, I think I, it's needed i because for sure um yeah. it i it, it is just a job like it, it is just a job like really like 
we go through a routine, especially when you're art director. Yeah. Come in, check your email, do your <laughs> review. Hopefully you can go through chicken scratch so that your, <laughs> your yeah. art artist or the rigger knows how to move that armor pieces. Yeah. Um, and that maybe you get to do a keyframe <laughs> or like a couple <laughs> color scripts. Yeah. Um, so I think you do need something to uh um to keep yourself almost going outside of work so you can grow because yeah. work is work. Yeah, but the I mean, you probably see enough artists, like you must see enough people who are, I mean, if not jaded, are just, um, maybe, I don't know if it's not even that passionate. I, you just see people who are just not excited. And it's fair though, you know, sometimes work is work and you don't care and it's fine. Yeah. But it's, it's certainly if you had a choice, if, if you were to work with someone who was pretty excited or just yeah. like, happy about oh, this work i've seen a lot i've seen a lot of jaded works like i've seen a <laughs> oh, yeah. lot um totally of course totally um some you know some have experienced unfortunate situations mm-hmm. some are off from their own doing <laughs> um well because I, I mean it is a perspective thing like even though like i have well, kind of crappy things happen in career but it's just how do you how do you deal with it right like mm-hmm. um and i'm not talking about like you know like super extreme situation like you know like john lassiter kind of territory <laughs> okay that's um, bad yeah <laughs> yeah like but i'm just talking about like you know like a yeah. bad client or you're on couple bad pro not bad projects but like projects that you're not passionate about in a role um then i mean then it's up to you like hey maybe evaluate maybe the company i'm working doesn't really uh, take projects that uh, i enjoy or they actually don't have that uh the right client base then maybe you should go look for a studio that is have the right client base that does project that you enjoy mm-hmm. and and those are things that as an artist like you do have control of that yeah uh, it's very pragmatic and very true also <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I know I'm, I'm, I'm very blunt no but uh, that's fair I think but it's actually I think uh, as far as advice goes it's very good as you know the fact that we well especially working in North America there's a lot of options and like you said right now too with the industry booming I think if that's the issue then there's many ways there's many solutions to it yeah is there a uh, um, I guess slightly shifting gears, but is there an artist who you follow, who you like, where kind of you think they're doing it right as far as like life and art or just art wise uh, goes? Like, is there someone you look up to like that's, they're doing it exactly right? Right, right, right. Um, I think, um, what's his name? Uh, Tonko House. Mm. Um, I think they're doing some amazing stuff and you can tell that's, what they are passionate about Mm -hmm. um and i think he has been taking the right steps to doing it as well dice Um, or robert condo dice yeah Dice. i think it's a partner yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um i think they're doing great stuff um uh who else let me think i mean Alberto Miago, but he, I mean, he's a he's like a rock star. Yeah, he's a, he's a special <laughs> one. 
yeah, he's, I, I mean, he's not even, I don't even know what he is. He's some sort of, uh, <laughs> yeah, special. There's teacher. no recipe to being him. He's just him. And he, I mean, he's just very true to himself. Like, I mean, yeah. and everybody heard about, like, he established Spider Verse, mm-hmm. but he didn't stay on the project. And, and I, 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 I don't know actually what happened, but like, just from what I know about him, it's probably like, he's very, true to his own vision and he probably is not someone that easy to uh to to make him adjust to someone else's vision yeah um yeah um who else i don't know i actually started started going back to admiring a lot of like a comic comic artists in terms of um stylistic wise like um and some of them have kind of like crossover animations they still doing both Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think interesting. I think I mostly just um, admire people that they, that like um, have able to transition between different things. Because mm-hmm. I, for that, like I see that one they're passionate about it, but also like they are, they they're growing. And when you and say transition, just, are you talking about departments or styles? Uh, like 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 just like medium and styles. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's cool. It, it takes a lot of, uh, I guess, perseverance uh, in learning something new. But I agree with you. It's cool to see someone also adapt to something new and then bring their own, like still bring them into it, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. Um, do you, uh, I guess, I was, do you feel like you need to uh, practice design or concept art kind of for yourself these days? Or do you feel like, you know, because we talked about, uh getting to do some of it at work you're still doing it for the clients do you uh like do you, do you think about practice or do you get it enough within your work hours um i definitely get enough practice of thinking mm. but definitely lack of practice of actually like putting my my hand on on the paper all cintiq <laughs> um um Actually, this for the past year or two since I mostly focus on just pre uh, vista, um, I do get enough practice drawing as well because the deaf department usually is just me, mm-hmm. so yeah. I'm self art directing and self designing, and if I'm lucky, nice. I can borrow some designers. Um, mm-hmm. So I I do get enough, but um, but then again, deaf is also usually have a very crunch schedule. Mm-hmm. So I am literally drawing to the best that the time allows and enough to sell the project. Cool. So usually it's not, usually, you know, it's almost still like probably one or two steps away from actually ideally where I want it to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, never enough time, man. And she, exactly. No, I, I guess I asked that question uh, knowing that it's tricky in our industry, man. It's like finding that time. I mean, it's, and I'd, I would be curious to talk to, um, like, it'd be interesting to talk to someone who is, like, let's say, like a background or like environment designer and feature film. I wonder if those artists also feel like they never get to the perfect polish just because that, like, that ceiling, like, it's, it's always rising, right? Like, the, yeah. the level of finish can always keep growing. So may, maybe that's just a never ending issue. Yeah. But what's interesting, um, because since now I've been working more on my own projects, mm-hmm. which I'm also doing some writing, or, or at least like 
world building, um, it does help me refine design in some sense because I'm now thinking not just from an art director point of view, now I'm thinking from a creator point of view or maybe even a writer point of view. So I'm actually getting a new perspective on that's awesome. Um, on refining things that matters mm -hmm. and not just purely aesthetic. That's huge. Yeah. It's like designing with reason. Exactly. Know, that's why it's like learning anything outside of our current skill right range is so important. Right? Totally. Like this kind of this kind of discoveries only happen when you get out of this uh just kind of the art thinking and there's so much more. Yeah. I'm, uh, well, and that's why I don't know. I don't really have to say it these days because most uh, artists already come with 3D skills. But like back in the days, like I suggest like designers should go take modeling because now you know what the model is experiencing, like actually what the limitations are. Or hmm. um, actually, I found learn doing 3D modeling in film school actually makes my 3D make my uh, design turns much better because now I know how volume actually works. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's such a good way to learn it, man. Andy, we're coming up in two hours. I'm going to have to wrap this up in a bit, but uh, still so much to talk about. I feel like we didn't really get to dive into the design process for a live action. I'm looking at the list of questions I wrote down. We, uh, I think we'll just have to get you back to it again. Um, yeah, we can do a part two. That'd be awesome. Um, I just got, I just got one more for you. I usually like to ask, um, before I let you go, is there an advice that you wish you got before you went to post-secondary school, before you went to university? Oh, um, hmm. Oh, that's a tough question. I think maybe I wish someone Maybe I should advise me that maybe I could slow down a bit. <laughs> wow. How so? Like, what would you uh, slow down? The career growth or what are you talking about? Uh, well, that and just um, in general, I think I'm a little bit impatient. Um, mm. I, I think I could actually um, experience the actual artist growth part a little bit more mm. I think I'm always just almost too goal and orient orient like driven like I think that's why it makes me efficient in production because mm -hmm. it's always goals and deadlines um but I think I could yeah I probably should have slowed down and look <laughs> around a little bit more and um actually like experience just being an artist without purpose a little bit more. Is it possible? Is that, is, is that a realistic thing? Artist uh, without purpose? Um, I guess I don't mean like, not without purpose, but like um, maybe with more personal purpose. Mm. Maybe express I, a bit more. But I, I kind of, I think I kind of understand what you mean. You're. It's almost like you're saying make, well, actually, I don't know. Are you saying in some ways like make, make art for the art's sake without having that yes. goal in mind? Yeah. Yeah. Especially I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't go to art school, mm -hmm. right? Like I went to film school, but it's not really an art school. Yeah. yeah. It's not like teaching me about thinking freely or conceptually. Yeah. Um, it was already 
execution, execution, right? So, um, and it's funny enough that till this day, I'm still like learning um, terminologies of actual <laughs> art techniques yeah. that I, I know how to do, but I know how to do from experimental and discovering myself. And I'm like, oh, that's what that's called? Okay. Um, I think with the amount of private schools these days, this is going to keep happening more and more, right? Like I went to Art Institute, same idea. And I think these schools are quite popular. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, maybe, yeah, I, I wish maybe someone say, hey, <laughs> slow down a bit. I'm not sure, like. Hey, man, it's it. never too late. No, I, I, someday I would like to go back to art school just to discover things. Do you think it would ever, would ever be possible for you to take like a career break and just spend some time on yourself or is it just well, Vancouver I, is expensive and it's hard? No, I, I, I mean, I think it's possible. And I mean, that's actually what, I mean, I hopefully is not a false thing, but I, I keep telling, like I'm working extremely hard so that hopefully soon I don't have to work so hard. That's that awesome. Make any sense. Oh, totally. No, no, that's, that's, um, uh, that's great. Cause I don't know. I always have a goal, like you know, I'm two years away. By forty, I want to actually able to sell a show and become of a producing role, um, so that hopefully art or design or drawing can be going back to closer to more of a hobby, mm-hmm. and I don't need to put a lot because right now, like, sure, I get a lot of um, client work, freelance work that, um, but still requires me to draw but definitely i'm working i'm getting better and getting better um how should i say it i'm getting better and bigger jobs that i can now hire other artists to do it yeah so i'm slowly trying to get but it's kind of like chicken and egg situation right um because i've tried like a couple years ago like hey give me bigger piece or more of it but then they're like, well, where's your team? I'm like, well, I'll <laughs> You'll figure so, it out. Right? So, because yeah. if you give me the money, I will have that team. But like convincing mm-hmm. the client to. But yeah. I think now I'm closer to that spot, which then's like now I can just review things on some of my freelance stuff. And, mm-hmm. and which is also training me to become more of that producing type role. Mm-hmm. So, That's very cool. So that's like a, that's kind of the next big goal for you then, right? Yeah. And I cannot keep drawing until 3 a.m. every day. Like, I'm, no, I'm, don't do that. That's not healthy. No. And, and yeah, I'm getting old. So, um, <laughs> so it's not that I don't want to draw anymore. I just want to be more picky about what I draw and when I draw. And get enough sleep. Yeah. That makes sense. It's very fair. Man, uh, considering all that and how busy you are, I really, really appreciate you taking the time. Is there, uh, it's really good. Um, um, I guess uh, maybe let people know how they can find you or where they should look for your work. Um, yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all Andy Poon Design, A-N-D-Y-P-O-O-N-D-E-S-I-G-N. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm, maybe I'll see you in Clubhouse because that's a big thing now. There NFT you go. Art, I don't even know what it means, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get that cryptocurrency I, I downloaded clubhouse i didn't see any cool channels for animation but maybe i've been looking wrong oh so really I'll, 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 I'll invite you to one um yesterday there was um oh there's an animation industry one and yesterday had um chris Pern for willoughby 
Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. As a guest speaker, and tonight I think they had the creator of uh, Soul. Wow. So yeah, that one actually have some uh, man. I'm missing like, out. I, legit people. I didn't know that thing blew up so so much, but that's crazy. It's good to hear. But, I mean, there's also a lot of garbage. So that's how it goes. Like, because awesome. a lot of people just say, "Hey, man, wanna collab? <laughs> wanna collab?" Um, cool. You gotta know how to avoid. Anyways, well, I know. Thanks, ev- thanks everyone for listening. Thanks again to Andy and. Uh, I appreciate you all. It's good to be back. Uh, lots more to come. And thanks again to Andy for being amazing and sharing so much. Bye. Bye. <laughs>